Hi, I'm Sonia. Hi, I'm Sapna. And this is Loudmouth Lurkies. So over the last three seasons, we've talked about everything from mental health and they see community to breaking free from Western beauty standards. We've done a deep dive into self-care and asked the age-old question, am I they see enough? And while we started Loudmouth Lardkies as an avenue to explore the intersection of identities as South Asian women, our own duality, it's also given us a platform to highlight Loudmouth Lardkies who have inspired us. So Rushi Roy started the skincare brand of Rani in 2017 with hopes of offering clean and effective cosmetics rooted in ancient Indian beauty rituals. In 2019, she took a step back, reflected, and began exploring duality as the basis for the new brand. On August 15th of this year, Avrani relaunched uh, with a rebrand and an honest conversation about the realities of cultural identity, self-worth, and remaining authentic. We're so excited to have the badass loudmouth Larky Rushi Roy here with us today. Welcome, Rushi. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And for those of you who are doing your holiday shopping while listening to this episode, you can use the code LEDKEY10 on Avrani's website for $10 off. Um, so we wanted to just hear a little bit more about the Avrani journey, and we also wanted to tell you all listening that um, stick to the end of the episode for a surprise, um, and you'll all be really excited to hear what we have coming for you. Um, so yeah, Rushi, we wanted to hear just a little bit more about the journey um, that has come to uh, where we are now and kind of a little bit more about the rebranding process and things like that. Sure. Um, so that's a lot of different things. I'll touch on everything lightly and we can take it in any direction you want. Um, so as you said, my name is Rushi Roy. I am the co-founder and CEO of Avrani. We're the Indian inspired skincare brand. And we recently launched our entirely new aesthetic, uh, after having worked for the last year on this branding um, to, through various different uh, challenges and setbacks, uh, it turned out to be the biggest blessing because we just launched a couple months ago, actually two months ago uh, now. Uh, and the, the reception has been even better than I could have imagined. Uh, and I'm increasingly aware of just how important it is to stay true to myself and stay true to my personal values without sort of letting others' expectations dictate how I feel or how I navigate my life. And that was a very heavy statement, but that was basically the sort of self-discovery journey that I experienced over the last year alongside this sort of Avrani growth story. Um, I started Avrani back in 2017 and by started like buying Avrani.com from GoDaddy for like $9.98 and feeling like my first business expense. Uh, I happened to meet my co-founder Justin Silver on the second day of Wharton Business School. Uh, we started that August in 2017 and I'll never forget because he is so 
uh, gregarious and full of life uh, in a way that is contagious. And me and just who I am naturally, I'm quite introverted, reserved, and you know, I'm, I'm not one to do well in large crowds, if that makes sense. Uh, and so I was very overwhelmed by his presence. Um, unlike, you know, anyone else I had really met at the school so far. And as we got to talking about what we did prior to coming to Wharton, uh, we realized we had so much in common having come from investment banking and private equity. Uh, but then he was talking about his experience, again, with such enthusiasm in his Justin way uh, that ended up resulting in uh, the decision to start Avrani, which was he served as an operating partner on another ethnically inspired brand that did so well that it sold to Unilever last year for 500 million. It was a Japanese inspiration. And this lady brought these ancient ingredients from Japan, like rice bran oil, black charcoal, matcha, uh, and introduced it to the US in this modernized prestige format. And as he was telling me that, I was just like, wait a minute, there are all these ancient sacred rituals that are so deeply rooted in the Indian culture. It's not just about you know, making your skin glow. It's really a way of life, but an approach to wellness that's completely different. And he was fascinated. He was like, why, so why can't you make, uh, or why can't you purchase a turmeric mask from the store? And I was like, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. But to me growing up, you always make your turmeric mask at home. There's like the classic orange staining with the chickpea flour, honey, egg white, uh, your fingers are orange, your face stays orange for a bit. And I'm, I'm telling him all this and he's like, well, if you can't buy it, like maybe we could make it so people could buy it. And I, and I started giving him all these sort of problems with that, right? And that's what happens when you're kind of in, in a position where you're used to thinking small and, and kind of being hard on yourself in terms of your own capabilities and whatnot. Uh, but it was the best conversation because he really inspired me to even think differently about problems. Uh, and anyway, that, that was the best conversation because it changed my life, really. We started on Avrani right away. We uh, took our business school tuition and transferred it into a joint business account, got out student loans, uh, and just started on the products right away. We enlisted a team of R&D chemists to help us translate the most popular, highest uh, performing Indian rituals uh, to create a digestible four-step routine. I wanted to be as simple as possible. Some skin care routines can go upward of 15 steps, uh, but I wanted it to be the basics because there was something about the minimalism in the approach uh, that's also just so uh, true to the ethos of India and Indian approach to beauty. Uh, so I, I decided that I was going to create the four-step routine infused with Indian-inspired ingredients based on formulas we already knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you definitely, well, one, Philly represent. We love to see it. <laughs> I love it. I miss Philly so, so much. Oh, my gosh. Where, where are you guys right now? We're in the Bay, but I go to school at Drexel. Okay, so, so you're right there. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> um, but I want to touch back onto something. You know, you were talking about um, how you came up with this idea and like going back to those deep roots of like, it's not just beauty um, 
Ayurveda is not just beauty, but it's like these, these practices that are so deep rooted um, in our country and our culture. And Ayurveda has become a buzzword in the beauty and lifestyle community. And it's so interesting to me to see white folks flock to, you know, South Asian medicinal systems after centuries of calling it a pseudoscience. Um, we've seen this with yoga and the bindi. Um, but I want to say that there's something really empowering about seeing a South Asian woman reclaiming um, Ayurvedic beauty. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, you know, reclaiming that combating Western beauty standards, how you even felt entering the beauty world itself? Yeah, no, those are amazing questions. And thank you for, for saying that. Um, I mean, this is, this is something I could talk about all day. I, I, would, I would start with the fact that I am still on this journey. So what you're talking about in terms of sort of accepting yourself and deciding that you are going to reject other standards of beauty and that you're going to celebrate who you are. That was a transition I only started experiencing within the last year. And the new brand is really a reflection of that. Um, I would say that I have a lot of room to grow there. And I would encourage us all to remember that this is always a journey. Like there's no moment in time where you're like, click, I feel beautiful. And that's just how you feel for the rest of your life. Like sometimes we want to think that beauty is some sort of uh, thing you can have, like a tangible thing that you can get by buying more products, by doing more things, by spending more money, whatever that might be. When, because beauty is so holistic, meaning it embodies how you feel about yourself, how you eat, how you sleep, how much water you drink. Like it's such a reflection of who we are as individuals. And I want to help shift even that narrative away from the fact that beauty is vanity or beauty is like makeup even, because by associating beauty with things that are so easy to see and surface level, we're tricking ourselves into thinking that that's really what it means. And I love Ayurveda because it's always understood beauty as wellness. It's not like beauty is its own ancillary thing. Being well, being whole, all those things I said about what you eat and how you you speak to yourself, um, that's a part of Ayurveda. And I think the biggest thing missing, or not missing, that's not a great way to put it, but the biggest gap between Western approach to beauty and Ayurvedic beauty is intention. Uh, I would say in West, the Western approach, the intention is for a tempor temporary quick fix solution sort of thing. You want, if you have a pimple, let's say you put a spot treatment just inundated with chemicals and toxins because you want to get rid of it without thinking, oh, maybe that's an indication of something else going on. Like my hair is oily, I slept on it or, you know, hormonal, whatever it might be. We're very quick to, okay, get rid of it, fix it, get rid of it, right? And totally. that sort of cycle is unhealthy because then we're taught to believe that that's what beauty is, separate from ourselves and how we feel. And the longer those remain unconnected, the, the longer it is before we truly realize we're beautiful because we decide to. You know, as you're saying that, 
I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, I never made that connection. Um, because on one hand, like Subna and I talk a lot about wellness and self-care on this podcast, um, because mental health means a lot to us, especially in the South Asian community. And you're absolutely right. Like we're not, we don't want to solve it with this like one patch solution. That's not something that's sustainable. That's not something that has long-term solutions. Um, and I love this approach of, you know, beauty is not something separate from us. It's within us. And you hear that you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're beautiful on the inside. And I'm like, okay, but what does that mean? And I feel like this is the first time I'm hearing someone really tell me what that means. And I love it. It's that, that's so powerful, especially as like a young woman who I feel like, and we've talked about this too on our, on our podcast, as we mentioned earlier, we've talked about beauty standards and we've talked about how like, you know, things like being a brown girl with a mustache and like having to thread your eyebrows and all of that stuff. They're so like, they're individual things that we equate to, if I do this, then I'll be beautiful Absolutely. as opposed to this holistic approach. And 100%. And it's the, the stuff you're saying about wellness and yoga, all these other sort of, for lack of a better term, ancient Indian practices, right, that have been now adopted here, I'm noticing it's a bit of a consumerist sort of view of like wanting to consume yoga, to consume wellness. So like if I take these turmeric pill supplements, then I'm good. But it's not like that's not how it works, right? If it's not processed with care, I mean, turmeric without some sort of processing or combination, for example, with black pepper to activate it does nothing to your system. So taking a turmeric supplement is just a placebo effect, right? It's just healthy. It's just, it's just a stain. (laughs) Exactly. And, and the same thing, I, I mean, I noticed even in the way I myself fall into this trap of multitasking, right? Where we, we know we're smart, we're capable. If I can do 10 things in an hour versus three, why not? Am I lazy? No. And then we get in this whole thing where we want to do so much. And we forget that without an intention and focus on the thing you're doing, the spirit of what you're doing isn't coming through. So let me give you an example of like, if you're putting on a meditation podcast, And while you're doing your laundry, all you're doing is hitting play on a podcast, thinking that you're absorbing the meditation and the practice, but by nature of multitasking it, you're doing neither well. You know what I mean? And we, uh, we supplement that. I mean, I I've done up to five, six things at once where I'm just like, oh, I'll take this call while I'm on the train and transit going here when I have to pick up this bag inevitably we'll forget one of those things. And then we feel bad about ourselves. I, I didn't speak kindly to myself when I was overwhelmed like that. Like, oh, what an idiot. Like, how could you forget that? And it's like, of course you forgot it. You're just overwhelming your mind with things and you're not even thinking anymore. You're just working on autopilot. You know what I mean? And that approach to not just beauty, but life isn't like a way to live, right? That's just perpetuating our unhappiness a bit. Definitely. And I think even when we're thinking about, 
doing all these things at once and having all these like identities and different um, like forms of beauty and all of this together. And, and even just thinking about how Avrani's journey is, is really at that center of bridging the gap between um, different uh, cultures and beauty standards, beauty ideals and all of that. Um, we wanted to ask a little more about your perspective and uh, when looking at duality and identity, why, why is that a focus? Of Avrani and, and why do you think it's important to claim duality um, as South Asian American women? That's such a great question and, and another one I could talk forever on. So keep me on track. Um, so the idea of duality first came from the most obvious surface level duality that I have is the Indian Americanness. And I want to go into this a bit later, but Indian Americanness for so long. Uh, I have felt, and I know many other people have felt, is I am a little bit of both, but I'm not fully anything. And with that sort of mindset, you are constantly coming from a place of lack, right? Like you're never gonna be enough, right? Because it's a zero sum game. The more American you are, the less Indian you become, the less American you are in any given point, the more Indian you are, right? Like, I don't know if you've had this, but when I put on, an Indian outfit, like recently I got married and had a very traditional Indian wedding with all the rituals and ceremonies. And we did, I mean, we were very extra about it. Uh, and it was, it was just gorgeous. I was <laughs> Thank so you. obsessed looking at the pictures. Congrats, by <laughs> the way. Thank you. It Thank was, you so much. I feel like it was the most aesthetic COVID wedding I've seen. Wow, that well, that's quite the compliment. <laughs> I appreciate that. We were, I mean, going into it, it was like, okay, let's just make the best of this situation. And then it turned out to be just exactly what we needed. So um, yeah, no, thank you very much for that. Uh, now I lost my train of thought. What were we? Oh, so I put on my wedding outfit and I was like, oh my gosh, I look so Indian. And I realized that I, that's still a very binary thing for me to the point where Perhaps that's the issue. I think Indian Americanness has its own oneness, its own niche. It is its own genre lived experience, the sort of tossle between the two. So instead of thinking, am I this or that? Like you're neither Indian nor American, you're Indian American. And because it's hyphenated, I don't know, people want to be, uh, it's easier for people to define and predict other people by putting them under a label. Uh, but that was the exact thing I was trying to break out of. And through Avrani in the rebranding process, as I, for example, picked the color of hyper blue, um, I realized that as I was getting feedback of, oh, is that Indian enough? Is that too masculine? That I was like, fuck those labels. What are you talking about? I don't, I want to be under the Avrani label. Like you can't, like you can associate me with those things if you want to but I don't really care because this is the truest creative expression of me. Like this is my favorite color. And to be able to uh, transition from that, that those two state of minds uh, really served as that another milestone for us as part of that rebrand and that growth. Um, but yeah, that became a thing where it's like, okay, if it's duality, uh, how am I gonna think about that? from a visual perspective and why duality. So as I told you, surface level Indian Americanness is what I landed on in terms of duality. And then because of the timeline and the 
I had to get the brand out while I was figuring out what the brand was uh, in terms of packaging and supply chain and all that, get those things in order. Um, I was like, okay, duality, I want to visually associate that with this idea of disruption. So that's what kind of bred the look of a very minimal white sans serif text with the disrupted pop of color in the cursive. That's a duality. And then once that package, primary packaging was done, I'm like, okay, the secondary package it, that it goes in, i.e. the outer box, this is so minimal, I want this to be maximal, the secondary box. So we just flushed it with that bright artwork and gave it that Indian sort of look. The Indian vibe is, while it's a bit ostentatious sometimes to me, it's also so celebratory and mm -hmm. in a way that just makes me smile, not, not cringe, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I wanted to embody that on the boxes in a way people haven't seen before. So taking that minimal maximal approach, that was another duality. And so as I was bringing out the assets of the brand through thinking about duality, I started realizing myself how much deeper that goes, the theme of duality, right? Because I started to see how it runs through just about every facet of my identity. So mm -hmm. when I think about myself as a woman, I mean, that's as close as it gets to duality. I mean, I straight up had a split personality for, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, I was one way at work where it was extremely like, not Rushi, if that makes sense. I was in a crisp white blouse, black suit, do as I'm told, keep my mouth shut. Um, and of course, like when I would forget to play that game and I would respond or ask a question, that's when I was told, you know, your personality is too strong. You need to respect authority a little bit more, like yada, yada. And then I would go to the other side and say nothing. And then I'd be told, you're disengaged. You don't have an opinion. And I couldn't believe that I hadn't even stopped and thought about that in that way. Cause when you're going through it, you're just kind of, as I said, I at least was going through autopilot of like, let me just get this fucking day over kind of thing. Like that's how miserable I was. Uh, and I realized it was because that tension of the duality of who I really am and who I was pretending to be a hundred hours a week was so in contrast that I, I felt in conflict inside the whole time. And that was just one conflict in addition to the Indian Americanness. You know what I'm saying? So these things were running at every turn where I felt like someone was trying to label me under something. And I would feel like, no, that's not it. And like mm -hmm. this discomfort. But now I'm starting to embrace that sort of difference. Like the fact exactly. that I'm so unique and distinct and interesting because of my dualities. Like, yeah. And I realized that in fact, it's not that our dualities make us so much cooler and, and more awesome and more, you know, culturally aware with a more expansive worldview, like all these things that we have that actually make us so much more awesome than we think. We don't even know that yet. And so like these sorts of feelings I was having over the last year was just a, as because I was going through the journey, the my mission and kind of vision for the brand changed where I was like I want all women to feel like this to feel like any woman who has felt ostracized from the conversation of beauty which is let's be clear way more of us than there are those who feel like yep I'm beautiful um I want all of us to feel like wait it is my 
distinctiveness that makes me so beautiful. It, it is the bushy eyebrows. It is the thick hair. It is my, you know, deep skin tone. All these things that kind of made us feel like we were lacking are actually ones that should make us feel so abundant. I really I really like this idea that you were talking about, um, like we're not this or this. Uh, we can be both and we can have those exactly. different parts of us coexist. And so, yeah, so as a part of the brand, uh, one of the messages I want to get across to help other women understand that these dualities exist uh, is to share more what that looks like. And so it doesn't have to be physical. It can be ones that I've experienced, for example, is I can be demanding but I can also be gentle as a leader, right? And sometimes I have felt like I can't be my demanding self without being my sort of short-tempered, curt, whatever self that comes out immediately. And so I, again, feel a tension sometimes where it's like I either have to be extremely calm and gentle and nice, but then I can't get what I want. Or I can get what I want and have everyone hate me around me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just a false narrative. That just, the fact that I even thought that that's how it had to be arbitrarily is ridiculous. Uh, and even as I'm saying it out loud, it sounds ridiculous, but it is how I felt. And the moment that I was like, no, I can really be both. I can be demanding and gentle. It was so empowering because it's like freeing to be able to admit that to yourself in, in tons of different ways. Like I'm independent, but I need support. Needing support doesn't take away from my autonomy, from my freedom, from my independence. It's honest. You know, who doesn't need support? Yeah, absolutely. We, we tend to want to bucket ourselves and others more. Yeah. And you can be ambitious and soft-spoken and there's just so many ways that duality plays a role in the business world, in our personal lives and, and all of that for sure. I feel like we've kind of explored our own duality and it started similar to your, your journey with a variety of like, I am South Asian and American. And I feel like that's where it starts for a lot of us but it doesn't stop there. And that's what I love. It's like learning that it's not an or, but rather an and. I yeah. am X and I am Y, you know, I'm, it's, I'm not toggling between the two and I can embrace this very, very fully. And I think that draws me to this idea of authenticity, which is something that personally really, I was, I was just so amazed at like the authenticity of, of Ronnie and you, because like Avrani is one of the very few brands where the CEO, so IE you, has offered and given out her phone number, <laughs> which is kind of dope. I mean, you've given it out fully freely on Insta and I'm like, that's kind of cool. But also you've been so honest about the reality of like creating and maintaining the brand. Um, and so I wanted to talk about like, aside from the brand, because I feel like you've been really, you've been very transparent about the, the journey with Avrani um, and like the difficulties, but like in this, in this struggle for, you know, claiming duality and being comfortable with it, I feel like maintaining authenticity as an individual is also a struggle that we oh, are like absolutely. Every still day. learning 
right? And so what does authenticity look like and how how does one even, you know, how is one authentic mm-hmm. in general? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> that is the question of life. Um, <laughs> but I would say to me, authenticity is living out the truest interpretation of yourself. And what that means does not mean at any point you are not putting someone else's needs or authenticity above yours. That is what love really is. So I don't want people to think that, oh, authenticity means you're just yourself all the time because yourself doesn't have to be this not happy person that, you know, you're afraid of exposing. I think the fear is that if I am my authentic self, no one will understand or no one will resonate with me. And that's the beauty of storytelling. And that's the beauty of authenticity. It makes you feel less lonely. It makes, it reminds us that we're so connected. We're all so much more similar than we think. Uh, But because I would say also in the way that media, especially lately, uh, trickling down to just individuals have become very judgmental. Uh, It's quieted a lot of voices and has sort of reignited that already existing fear of nobody understands me. And that's where I feel like this just polarization has really all come from, where it's like we're even seeing this duality of people's paradigms in the US. How can it be so starkly these two things? It's just, we're not really communicating with each other, really open to understanding each other down to the, from the lowest to the highest level, right? And that really requires individuals to look inwards, understand themselves first, right? Before we're able to be productive and understanding and have like, empathy in our humanity again. Definitely. I think that's such a good point, especially when you were talking about authenticity being the truest interpretation of yourself and thinking about duality and storytelling, at least for Sonia and and I, and for many of the other people listening to our podcast, a lot of us are college students. And then just thinking about our future and what we want to do, it's so important for us to want to strike the right balance of doing something. Once again, the duality comes in, something that's fulfilling, um, something that satisfies what our community wants from us and what our families want from us. Um, There's so much, you know, intimidation um, and so many expectations for what we should pursue. And then at the same time, we have the added layer of, do I love what I'm doing? Do I find purpose in it? Do I want to wake up every morning and do this? Um, so this one's another really meaty question, um, uh, <laughs> but just kind of the idea of how do you, how do you strike that balance? How do you find purpose in what you're doing and, and how do you find that authenticity within yourself and being like, okay, I'm loving what I'm doing and I'm, you know, keeping that duality yeah. and doing things, yeah. uh, for my community. So I, I think the interesting part of that question is. But, and this is based off the way you phrased it, and this can be a conversation I'd love to understand. The assumption is then that what you're doing and your truest interpretation is something that your family and your community would not be happy with. Yeah, right? it, it's like this, the classic lokya kenge trope, right? Like 
that you want to pursue something that will fully, you know, will be authentic, will truly fulfill you, um, where you don't have to experience that paradigm of like this, I'm doing this, but they're going to hate me. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, I, we, we, we talked about this, uh, in our first conversation, I think you said it really, really well. It's, we have this expectation that because our parents came to this country for us to have more opportunities that we need to do it in a certain way. And I remember you saying that it was, yeah, we need to do this, but like, this is us taking advantage of those opportunities that they came for us to have. Exactly. So yes, thank you for, uh, for reminding me of that. I, my assumption is that all of us, especially the two of you, anybody listening to this podcast, like you are trying to figure it out, right? Like you are trying to search for your truest interpretation. You need to trust that that is good and that is enough because unless you trust that your sort of search for what you want to do, if, if you don't think that you can do it, then that's when your mind opens up to what will they think, right? Because you were doubting yourself and sort of, and this is again from my own head, so not everybody might feel this way. But when I start to doubt myself, I'm very mean to myself. I, it's not just, oh, this will never work because, you know, skincare, the skincare market is too saturated. It's also, this will never work because so-and-so also said it won't work. And what will so-and-so have to think, right? Like that's the actual spiral. If you think you're, you're on there and you can trust in your core, you are doing something that honors your parents' sacrifices, all these things that are burdening us, if we, we can turn those into drivers of motivation, you already have that good intention. You don't have to fear what people are going to say because you know what you're doing. And if you feel that conviction, I promise you that will turn out to be successful, right? Otherwise, the universe will correct you and then you'll learn something and do something else. And that's a totally okay way to live life too. I think these expectations around even timeline, like you're by this age, you should be married by this age, you have kids, all those things. It's, it's very tough, especially from a culture like ours. And I know from several others globally that our parents put a lot of that stuff on us, but it's really coming from that place of love. And it's kind of on us to have that internal strength to block out that noise because we really trust ourselves enough that we know we're doing the right thing. That's when the fear kind of goes away. You never want to be operating from a position of fear. Um, that's when not great decisions come out and the universe will redirect you. And that's exactly what I think what happened to me in terms of being redirected uh, from finance to what I do today. Wow, that was really well said and actually really great to hear from you. And after this, I will definitely ask you to be my life coach in some way because that was amazing. Um, Thank you. I mean, just to be clear, I can dish it, but I am still very much in the process, right? And I think that's really what life is. It's a constant, it's a journey that you're getting closer and closer to your true self. Just like beauty, 
there's no flip the switch and you're like in nirvana mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> there, there are challenges that come up. I mean, if you have a family and that's the other thing, loved ones, sometimes their challenges become your challenges. So like mm-hmm. life has its own sort of thing. And the best you can do is be yourself, right? And live out your life that way so that at least you're not adding to the chaos. Yeah, I I absolutely love that because, you know, when you're a college student, you feel like you have to have everything figured out. Like Sapna and I were getting ready to apply to grad school. We're like, oh my gosh, we have to figure out the rest of our lives. And it's like, you know, you can have plans, but you never know what's going to happen. And you said it so well that the universe will correct you. If you're putting out those good intentions, if you're putting in the work, like, things will align and life truly is just like this constant journey to achieving that the truest version of yourself. And I feel like that, that aligns with like what purpose is because you know, that existential crisis, like why am I on earth? What is my purpose? And it's, I think it really is to truly honor your energy and honor your truest self, because if you're not doing that, no one else is going to do that. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel like Avrani is just the perfect symbol of that. Um, I want to say like every time I see the blue color, I just get really, really happy. Um, Oh, thank you. It's such a perfect, like happy disruption to my monotonous days. (laughs) Wow. I love that. I'm going to quote that maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we wanted to really, really thank you for spending time talking to us um, and having these, you know, deep questions, answering these deep questions. Um, Oh, I love this stuff. (laughs) I could talk about it all day. Seriously. I mean, this is really what life is. It's just constantly questioning and asking yourself again and again, what are my metrics of success? Am I happy? Am I doing the right things? Because at the end of the day, you are in control. You're always in control you can choose to react to your surroundings, uh, but it's that reminder that you are in control. You are your biggest enemy kind of thing that, you know, as I said, I'm still doing that. I, I, I have to tell myself that even as recently as yesterday, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Thank you so much once again for saying that. Um, I have a lot to not think about um, based on what you said today. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to stay in touch with you both. I think this is awesome. and. This is like, this sort of thing brings my heart so much joy because when I was your age, I I either didn't see this around me, didn't have access to it, it didn't exist, whatever, but uh, I can't imagine being in college now and having a community like this. This is really wonderful what you've built. So now it's the moment you've all been waiting for, the little surprise we were talking about. Loudmouth Ledkeys and Avrani are launching a giveaway to help you find your skincare ritual. And in order to get you there, we're giving away one full-size glow-activating exfoliator and a set of Avrani masking clips. To enter, make sure you're following both us at Loudmouth Ledkeys and at Avrani on Instagram and check out our Instagram soon for details on how to enter. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Loudmouth Ledkeys. You can catch us next week on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. A huge shout out to Rishi and Ash from Dewey Apricot for the gorgeous episode artwork this season. 
Make sure to subscribe and DM or email us your DD Corner questions, spicy stories, and chai-worthy drama. We'd love to hear your thoughts, and we'll see you next week. Come,